commencing at verse 46, concluding at verse 52. Today I'm choosing to read from the New Revised Standard Version of the text. Follow along with me on the screen. It says, and they came to Jericho. And he and his disciples in a large crowd were leaving Jericho. Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, a blind beggar, was sitting by the roadside. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many sternly ordered him to be quiet, but he cried out even more loudly, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stood still and said, Call him here. And they called the blind man, saying to him, Take heart, get up, he is calling you. So throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And then Jesus said to him, What do you want me to do for you? The blind man said to him, My teacher, let me see again. Jesus said to him, Go, your faith has made you well. Immediately he regained his sight and followed him on the way. I want to talk from this subject today, grateful for another chance. Grateful for another chance. You may be seated in the presence of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In our opening video today, we witnessed what Jim McKay described as the agony of defeat on the face of Tim Tebow, following a very disappointing loss to Ole Miss. It was at this particular season that the Florida Gators were riding high off of winning the national title the previous year, and many predicted that they would repeat as champions and go for an undefeated season. But yet this team now find themselves menace of Massey in the valleys of life and facing much adversity. But Malcolm X said there's no greater place to be than to have adversity because it is with every defeat, every heartbreak, every loss contains its own seed, its own lessons on how to improve your performance the next time. But Tim Tebow, my brothers and sisters, is not the only one who has spent some time in a dungeon of despair. He's not the only one who has spent time in an alley of anxiety or a low place in life that is different than what is expected. If I were to take the role in here today, many of us who have scripted out our lives will say that sometimes life does not always go as scripted. And if somebody would have told you that your life would have had to hit some of the low places that you've gone to, that you would have, you would have argued them and begged them to differ. Because there's somebody in this room today who never saw their marriage ending in divorce. They never saw their child ending in prison or being the one pushing drugs. They never saw their career ending abruptly due to an injury or lack of integrity. They never saw themselves being the victim of molestation and rape by a family member or a trusted family friend. They never saw themselves working on a job where they were grossly underpaid but overly qualified. They never thought that they would be in a marriage but still have to carry the burden of parenting and financial responsibility alone. But the psalmist is right that life is full of swift transitions. And the Bible, my brothers and sisters, are full of examples of how life can transition very swiftly. When you look at Genesis 37, we see that Joseph has received a coat of many colors. He was his father's pet, but several verses later, he is thrown into a pit and later sold into prison. Saul has received a mantle, but later on in his life, he loses his mind. King Nebuchadnezzar is on top of the world, but 
but he went from being the king to behaving like a wild animal in his kingdom. All I'm trying to tell you is, is that life is full of swift transitions. And this swift transition is what caught my attention with Bartimaeus in the text. Because if we aren't careful, that's right, understand that swift transitions can put us on the periphery and cause us to live life on the edge. And today, my brothers and sisters, Jesus discovers a brother who is residing on the periphery and now is living life on the edge. The text says that his name is Bartimaeus, is the son of Timaeus. And now when we look at him, we find him spending some time in a valley. When you look at verse 46 and compare it to verse 52, you will discover that the where his life is now is not where his life started. Because when you look at verse 46, you will discover that it says that he is a blind beggar. But when you look at verse number 51, he tells Jesus to let him see again. That means, my brothers and sisters, that Bartimaeus was not born blind, but has become blind. And now, my brothers and sisters, he finds himself living life differently. Nobody told him that his life was going to come this way. And the text says that Jesus is leaving the city and Jesus is on the way that Jesus is on the outskirts of Jericho. And now the Bible says that he finds this man. Matter of fact, Mark does not tell us this, but Bartimaeus is not the only person there. When, when Bartimaeus arrives at this particular place when Jesus arrived at this particular place he noticed that this is the place that were known for outsiders to hang out this was the place for the social outcasts this was the place where abnormal people hung out and I'm here to tell somebody because I believe that God has sent me here on assignment that somebody in this building knows what it feels like to be treated like an outsider knows what it feels like to be treated like the black sheep of the family but I'm here to tell you my brothers and sisters that life is not going to be void of valleys. Life is not going to be absence of dry spots and seasons sister T where we have just enough but regardless of when we find ourselves in the valley and when we find ourselves in dry spots God has sent me here to remind us sister flowers that he still expect us to be faithful and grateful regardless of our location or lot in life I know this is not a popular gospel in today's culture because everybody want to mount up and, and reside on the mountaintop but if you keep living you are going to discover that there will be moments and seasons in in our lives that it will be dry that it will be valleys and where God will give us just enough to make it day by day and I'm here to remind somebody who thinks that you are the absence of valleys that if we are honest our country is in a valley our community is in a valley people of color are still in a valley and here it is let me go ahead and press my way into this text. Though Bartimaeus finds himself in a valley and Jesus is on his way in the direction of where Bartimaeus is. Even when he gets to this particular geographic location, notice what happens here. That the disciples and the crowd want to 
delay his deliverance. Those in the crowd and those disciples want to silence him while he is still in his situation because they needed time to get their theological thinking in proper perspective. But here it is, my brothers and sisters, when I looked at the text, Brian, they still had their sight. They still had their eyes working, but yet they want his deliverance to be delayed. Yet they want him to be silent. Isn't it funny, my brothers and sisters, how people who have not lost anything or who have not experienced the death of despair or agony of what could have been and should have been are always the ones who are critical of those who are trying to take advantage of another chance. Here, I know you don't need anything from God. You, your bills are paid. I know that your kids are in tight, but don't try to discourage and delay my deliverance because you just don't know how long I've been in this place. And I'm here to tell somebody, my brothers and sisters, that when you look at Bartimaeus, and, and I'm preaching to somebody now, because when you have mismanaged a season, when you have made a bad business decision, when you have driven a wedge between you and your child, when you have foolishly blown your money, and most importantly, you have not lived up to the standard that God would be pleased, and now you have an opportunity to rebound, you have to do what you have to do, because everybody is not going to like you and cheer you and want to see you get delivered. Can I take my time? Can I take my time? But by this man says, Pastor T, now, now you understand how I'm feeling. Because here it is, my brothers and sisters. The reason why I'm excited about this text is because but by the man says, I'm just grateful. For another chance. You, you don't know what it's been like sitting out here begging. You don't know what it's been like having to live life when, when it feels like the, the rug has been pulled from underneath your feet. And I asked Bartimaeus this question on my way here this morning. I said, I said, Bart, what are the imprints of a grateful person? He says, first of all, Pastor T, uh, a grateful person uh, evolves from his or her predicament. Man, I said that that sounds good to me, Bartimaeus. He said right there in verse number 46, it says they came to Jericho as he and his disciples and a large crowd was leaving Jericho. Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, a blind beggar was sitting by the roadside. I've already told you that Bartimaeus life didn't start this way. He was living a normal life, had normal vision, had normal sight. But somewhere in the discourse of his life, Bartimaeus has lost sight. And my brothers and sisters, but you have to respect the fact that when we look at Bartimaeus in this text, that Bart is not crying the blues. That Bartimaeus has chosen resiliency rather than resolving to be depressed over where he is in his life. That we don't see Bartimaeus talking about, Lord, I wish I could see. We don't see Bartimaeus hanging his head down trying to feel sorry for himself. But Bart is actually trying to do something about his situation. Napoleon said it this way. Napoleon Hill says, but for success comes in any man's life. He must be sure that he's going to be met with temporary defeat and perhaps some failures. When defeat overtakes a man, the easiest and most logical thing to do is quit. That's exactly what the majority of humanity does. Quit. It doesn't take much, my brothers and sisters, for you just to quit. It doesn't take much for you just to say, I'm not going to do anything about this situation. It doesn't take much of a man or much of a woman just to roll up your sleeves and say, this must be my lot 
in life. But it takes a real determined, proven spiritual child of God that tries to make the most out of the hand that you have been dealt. Let me see if I can help you in this sex here because I know what some of you are saying. Pastor T, the text says in verse 46 that Bartimaeus is a beggar. But you said that he is evolving from his predicament. I understand, my brothers and sisters, that when you look at the Bible, I know that a beggar means a destitute dependent. But that's what you see on the surface with a critical church leader. That all you see is his brother being a beggar. But God looked me in the eye and said, Pastor T, keep on reading and look at what happened here. Because when you look at the Gospels, Minister Baptiste, the Gospel gives two vivid depictions of beggars. We have one in Luke's Gospel 16 of a beggar by the name of Lazarus that is a starving beggar covered with sores lying at a rich man's gate. But when we look at Bartimaeus in this text, we see an assertive and demanding Bartimaeus sitting on the outskirts of Jericho. You mean to tell me out of all of these misfits that are on the outside that the only one that Mark lifts up and highlight is a brother by the name of Bartimaeus. Because Bartimaeus said, here's what it is, Pastor T. I know what somebody is looking at. They are calling me a destitute dependent, but they don't know what it feels like to have to wake up every day of your life and have to depend on everybody else for your welfare. Depend on everybody else for to know how you're going to make it in this walk of life. I understand that the text is silent about Bartimaeus' tenure in this physical and mental terrain of total dependency on others. But here's what I love about Bartimaeus, that every day he wakes up and takes his post and not only prays for the best, but displays faith that some way, somehow, if I open up my mouth, God's going to feed me. I know, I know this does not resonate with everybody because your expenses are already paid for the rest of the year. That you already know where your meal is going to come from. But I need to talk to some real folks that sometimes you didn't know how your bills was going to get paid. You didn't know where your meal was going to come from. But your testimony is just like Bartimaeus. Some way, somehow, the Lord will provide. Let me, let me see, let me see, let me see, let me see because, because I got to help somebody. Because I, 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 I see you, I, I see your silent frustration. You, 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 you're, you're not happy with your current context. You, you, you're not happy with the place that you are in your life. By now you feel that you should be making more money. You should have a better job. You should be driving a better car. Living in a bigger house. Have your boo beside you every night. But God has not had you at that place. Here's what it is. Here's what it is. Bartimaeus teaches us that though we may not be elated with our current context, unhappiness is not an excuse to become unfaithful, unfruitful, or ungrateful. I know, I know this is not where you want to be. But, but can you just go ahead and give God praise that even though you ain't in the place you want to be, the Lord is still providing. He is still making a way. Still opening doors, keeping you in your mind. Is there anybody in here that can thank God? I may not be there yet, but I'm gonna stay faithful. Y'all, let, let me go on. Let me go on. Let me go on. Let me go on. Let me go on and work this six. Uh, 
I wish I was one of these hired prophets that could come in and tell you that your visit in the valley is going to be short-lived. Three days later, you're going to come out. I can't tell you that. Because I, I must tell you that I know this may mess up your theology. But God is not obligated to immediately fix all of your problems and devote himself to your happiness and your comfort. I know it's uncomfortable and you're unhappy, but baby, you're going to have to learn how to count it all joy. I know this is not popular. I know this is not the word that you wanted to hear because you are tired of crying in your valley. But God has sent me by here to say, have you tried to make your valley work for you? Oh, okay, okay, okay. Okay, okay. Let me, let, let me, let me see. Let, let me see. Let me see. Let me see. Because somebody is still not convinced, Pastor, that they're going to have to be in the valley. David said, yay, though I walk. I, I, I didn't run. I, I didn't fly. God didn't send a parachute to rescue me immediately, but though I walk through the valley, that cast shadows of death. Oh, y'all don't like David? Come, come here, Paul. Paul says, when I was in my valley, three times I prayed for God to remove the throne. And God says, no, my grace is sufficient. Can I tell somebody in here that God has grace to sustain you while you're going through your valley? But the question is, can you just hold on until Jesus show up? Uh, let me see. 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 Can I tell you? I'm running out of time, but can I tell you this? There are some things that can grow in the valley that cannot grow on the mountaintop. Instead of you cursing your valley, you want to thank God for your valley because the valley has brought the best of you out of you. Okay, all right. All right, all right. Y'all sit down, y'all sit down. Y'all sit down. Ashley, this was a refreshing and rewarding word for me. Because Bartimaeus teaches me, I don't know about you, that you can grow in your valley. And not, not only that, but God expects you to grow wherever you are planted. And the Bible says that Bartimaeus evolved from his predicament and grew in his context and through his temporary situation. The attitude of gratitude says, God... This may not be my ideal location, but location has never limited your presence or power. Can I just be honest? I, I, I can't talk for anybody else, but if I had to be very honest, Donald, most of my spiritual growth and maturity has occurred during my tenure in my valley. See, instead of complaining about your valley, you ought to start thanking God for your valleys because you know that all things are working together for my good. By the way, I said, Pastor T, you're right. I can co-sign that Pauline declaration because there was nothing special about this particular day. I was waking up normal. There was no word given to me by the mayor. You need to wake up because something special and unusual is going to occur on this day. He said, I woke up and I kept doing what I had been doing. I was faithful. But on this day, it just happened that I was positioned in the right place at the right time with the right person on my route. 
I didn't have GPS that was telling me that Christ was going to navigate himself. That's why I'm telling somebody that you got to live your life every day expecting that this could be the day that Jesus decide to show up in my life. Bartimaeus said, I had heard in the, New Te- in the Old Testament that Solomon described God as a lily of the valley. But on this day, the lily decided to visit my valley. I know that people talked about me. They called me an enabler. They called me a misfit. They called me a beggar. And I know if, if Mitt Romney was here, he would call me part of the 47% that mooches of society but my faithfulness to God paid off because I heard that Jesus of Nazareth was traveling in my path despite my physical and mental terrain and Barnabas said Pastor T when I heard this I could not contain my excitement I said but why did you get excited when you heard that Jesus was passing by he says because this a grateful person is excited about his presence. <laughs> Let me say this again. But the man says, a grateful person gets excited just at the mentioning that he's coming. All right. All right. I know y'all, y'all don't believe me. Verse 46 says, This blind beggar was sitting by the roadside, verse 47. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth. But the man says, Pastor T, remember, I have lost something. So forgive me if it don't take much to get me excited. Pardon me that if I just can't sit there with my arms folded, pardon me. But when you have lost something and thought you have missed your season, you get excited at the thought that Jesus is just passing by. You are just honored to be in his presence. And Bartimaeus said, Pastor T, I got so excited about the proximity of his presence, the perception of his presence, and the proclamation of his presence. I said, I said, I said, Bart, you got to, you got to help us out. We're, we're not as deep as you are. What do you mean about the proximity of His presence? He says, He says, Pastor T. He says, Pastor T. Watch this. He said, Watch this. Notice that my excitement came before my encounter. Oh, I feel like preaching this thing. He says, Jesus hadn't even made it all the way in front of me before I got excited. Just the mere thought that Jesus was on his way, watch this, generated a sense of excitement inside of me. So I said, Tony, you mean to tell me that you didn't wait for the praise and worship leader to be your cheerleader to tell you to stand up? Sit down, clap your hands, open your mouth, shabak the Lord, and give God praise. You mean to tell me, Bartimaeus, that when you heard the name of Jesus, that excitement welled up on the inside of you? Can I just take a roll for a moment? Are there any Bartimaeus in the house today that can get excited about the name Jesus? I ain't got nothing else. Jesus. Jesus, 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 Jesus. All right, listen, if you can't get excited about his name, Jesus. Oh, let me, let me go here. Let me go here. Understand this. I, I said, I said, Bartimaeus, I get it now. I get it now because you know what? I've been where you are. If valleys, preach pastor T, don't do anything else, they create a hunger and a thirst for chasing after God. 
He said, God just caught me at the right season in my life. And this is when you know that you have grown and matured and your worship is authentic and real because you get excited just at the mentioning of his presence. God, I don't need your perks. I don't need your power. All I need to know is that you are going to show up. Understand something that biblically Israel's best praise and worship was when they were in captivity. Historically, our best praise and worship has been doing slavery and segregation and stunted growth. If this bad economy has not done anything else, it has reunited a passion and some people to pursue after God like never before because praise and worship is not optional for you. It's survival for you. That God, if I don't praise and worship you, I'm going to lose my mind. If I don't praise and worship you, I'm going to catch a case. If I don't praise and worship you, I'm going to go off when I get to my job. Is there anybody in here that can give God crazy praise because of his proximity? Let me let me press on a little bit further. He said not, not, not only was it proximity of his presence. He says but I had perception of his presence. Now notice that Mark carefully paints this picture. That Bartimaeus is an outsider and he's blind. Though he's an outsider and blind, it does not alter his spiritual discernment about who is in his proximity. Isn't it interesting, my brothers and sisters, that Mark has always painted a picture that it was those on the peripheral that was more excited and receptive of Jesus than the insiders like church people and wannabe fake disciples. But Emmaus was this. It was not just anyone passing by. It was Jesus of Nazareth. Oh, I wish y'all could let me preach this thing today. Understand something. Our perspective is different in the valley than it is on the mountaintop. This great poet Robert Warren Pien stated this. Height is not deprivation of valley, nor defect of desire, but defines for the fortunate that joy in which always should rejoice. Pien goes on to say, that we see great things from the valley and small things from the mountaintop. Bartimaeus said, because I'm in this valley, Jesus just looked bigger to me. Ah, uh, so excuse me that if I just start praising God like I've lost my mind because you're on the mountaintop your Jesus may look a little small but because I'm down here in the valley my Jesus looks like my all in all. Is there anybody in here that woke up this morning that said Jesus if I'm going to get through this week you got to show up in my context. I need you to do the supernatural miracle working power of God not only that, but I saw the proclamation of his presence. Notice, I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. Didn't you say Bartimaeus is blind? Didn't you say he does not have vision, he cannot see? Yes, you're right. But he heard. Stop complaining about what's not working. And work what is working. <laughs> the Dobada mares cannot see. The word on the street is that Jesus is on the way. And in the gospel of Mark, seeing is not believing, but believing is seeing. That you don't have to have physical sight to see Jesus Christ. Can, can I just tell you this? That Bartimaeus' blind faith was more effective than people's bifocal faith. Whew. 
Though he couldn't see him in the natural, his spiritual eyesight was greater than their physical sight. So here it is, Bartimaeus is praising God. Here it is that Bartimaeus is excited about a Jesus that he cannot see. When the disciples are arguing with a Jesus that is with them, that has made ways over what seat they're going to have and who is going to be greatest in the kingdom. Oh, Jesus said, Pastor T, there's no greater atmosphere for me to work in than an atmosphere of people who are excited about my presence. This is why the early church was an exciting and powerful church. Because they live with an expectation that King Jesus could return at any time. And that's why I agree with the psalmist who said there's something about the name Jesus. It is the sweetest name I know. I'm here to tell somebody that if you want to experience the abundance and overflow of God, that we must anticipate our passion for the presence of God. How do you know that you have passion for the presence of Christ? Because Bartimaeus says passion leads to praise. Now don't tell me how passionate you are when you don't ever want to praise him. Because Bartimaeus the mayor says that a grateful person expresses his or her praise. Uh, look at verses 47 to 48. Says when he heard, when he heard, when he heard that Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. 48 says many sternly ordered him. To be quiet. But he cried even louder. Son of David, have mercy on me. I know y'all not going to like me. But, but I didn't come to be liked. But isn't it interesting, Tadra? That when you look at the anatomy of Bartimaeus' praise. That it seemed as if this outsider knew more about praise than those on the inside. This Bartimaeus, not in church. This Bartimaeus, not a religious leader. This Bartimaeus has not been coached. But look at the anatomy of his praise. First of all, it was a messianic praise. That notice the first words of praise that comes out of Bart's mouth. He said, Lord, Jesus, son of David. Now notice, my brothers and sisters, that that Bartimaeus knew who it was to be praised. That, that, that Bartimaeus wanted you and I to see. That I want the record to reflect that I am not praising you. But I am praising him. And nobody had to coach him. Nobody had to tell him. But Bartimaeus said this. That was his Jesus son of David. He gave Jesus an authentic and affirming praise. Oh, that's why I'm here, my brothers and sisters, that say that sometimes it is those on the outside who have a better sense of Christocentric praise than the church. Because, my brothers and sisters, it's just something about when you've been isolated. It's something about when you have been looked over. It's something about when people have cast you out. And now you have this encounter with Jesus Christ that Bartimaeus said, if I don't praise Jesus for anything else, I got to praise him because he kept me in the valley. And you got to understand something about this, that this is what blew me away, that Bartimaeus' praise was public, that he didn't care who was around, who was listening, and what they had to say because his praise was being offered to God. Let, let, let me move on. Not only... Was it a messianic praise? But it was a merciful praise. Look what he says. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. When Bartimaeus encountered the Christ, 
he immediately recognized, God, I'm not entitled to be in your presence, but I'm grateful for another chance. He cried out of his soul, have mercy on me. Christians, my brothers and sisters, should leak mercy because we aren't righteous enough to warrant justice. I'm grateful that mercy meets me every morning. The truth of the matter is that we need to look at our own contradictions in our life and they will reveal that we need mercy. Not only was it messianic praise, not only was it a merciful praise, but look at verse 48. It was a magnifying praise. He says, Pastor T, there will be times in your life that when you praise God, that, that some people will want to mute your mouth. Some people will tell you to put a pause in your praise. Some people will try to silence your shout. He says, in the middle of me crying out to the Christ. Can you imagine the crowd telling me, Bartimaeus, be quiet. Bartimaeus, it doesn't take all of that. Bartimaeus, ambassador, I'm sorry, but I had to ignore the crowd and intensify my praise to Christ. Because I realized that the Lord had brought me too far to have a casual and convenient praise. And there ought to be somebody in here that when you look back over your life, your testimony is just like Bartimaeus. The Lord has been too good to me for me to have a casual and convenient praise. He says, I pumped up the volume and I kept praising Christ until I got his attention. Understand this I'm almost there that keep in mind that up until this time in the text preachers that Bartimaeus has only been in proximity to the presence of Christ in other words Bartimaeus is experiencing a contact high I know some of y'all who don't know what that means it means that you ain't got to be smoking the herbal ingredients but when you are in the environment what is in the environment gets you high and contagious and by the mayor saying, just the mere fact that Jesus Christ uh, is coming by, I got a whiff uh, of him. Uh, and something started to happen in my spirit that I just couldn't contain uh, myself. Uh, my brothers and sisters almost implies that Jesus would have just passed by if it weren't for these judgmental critics in the crowd who didn't think that a grateful person should behave this way. And Jesus said, Pastor T, when I saw this behavior, I had to stop for two reasons. First of all, I could not allow the future leaders of the church to think that it was in order to bypass those uh, who are living on the edge, uh, who have evolved from their predicament. Second of all, uh, I could not ignore the model of faith uh, that Zacchaeus had exhibited. Matter of fact, he got excited about my presence and he expressed true praise. And now he wanted to follow his followers to this place. Now Jesus called the haters. And Jesus said to the haters in verse 49, Jesus stood still and said, call him here. And the Bible says, and they called the blind man saying to him, take heart, get up. He is calling you. Now this is a moment that Bartimaeus had been praying would occur. He did not know when it would occur or who it would be his deliverer. But the Bible says that he is in the presence of a still Christ. Let me see if I can read it to you. Verse 49. Jesus stood still. A still Christ is this. A still Christ is saying, I am here as long as you need me to honor your request. And what do you do 
when you are in the presence of a still Christ. The Bible says you got to let your requests be made known to God. And Bartimaeus says, my last point is this, that a grateful person exercises faith on this Christian path. Jesus asked Bartimaeus one question. He says, what do you want me to do? Whenever, my brothers and sisters, we are in the presence of this still Christ. Now is not the time to doubt. Now is not the time to have pride. Now is not the time, my brothers and sisters, to act like you don't need anything from him. But the Bible says that Bartimaeus threw off his cloak. He got up and declared exactly what he wanted Jesus to do in his life. I don't know who it is, but I believe there is a Bartimaeus in the building today. That you have been living life on the edge. That you have been trying to be faithful. You've been trying to do the best that you could do. But your testimony is this, is that Jesus is here this morning. And it's time for somebody to throw off your cloak. Get up and tell Jesus what you want him to do in your life and God told me to tell you that your cloak has served its purpose and your faith has not positioned you for a miracle from God and here's what it is that Bartimaeus says to the Christ Lord I want to see again and the Bible says that Jesus tells him to go his way and immediately he regained his sight but though I was impressed with what Jesus did for Bartimaeus in response to his his faith. But I got to tell you, I got to confess that I'm more impressed with what Bartimaeus did after the miracle. Because my brothers and sisters, there are a whole lot of people who come to church. There are a whole lot of people who come seeking the power of God. There are a whole lot of people that all they want is a handout from God. That when they get their miracle, that when their child come up drugs, when they get married, when their marriage starts to make it, then they stop praising God. They stop being excited about his presence. But the Bible says this about Bartimaeus. The Bible says that immediately Bartimaeus followed Jesus along the way. And God sent me by here to tell you that the evidence of your gratitude is not what you do before the miracle, but what you do after the miracle. And Bartimaeus left here singing, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. The cross before me and the world behind me. If you can't be grateful for anything else, you should be grateful for the cross because it was at the cross, at the cross, where I've Come on, talk to me in here. Is there anybody in here that can get excited about the cross of Jesus Christ? Because if you want to know why you need to be grateful, that every time you look at the cross, it is a constant reminder of another chance. Is there anybody in here that's grateful for another chance? Is there anybody in here that can rewind your life to say where I am now? It's not where I've always been. And I'm here today because of the cross. It was at the cross, at the cross, where I first received it. Is there anybody here that can get excited about the cross? Because on one Friday, Jesus died. Is there anybody here that can get still get excited that he died on a Friday? And the Bible says that while we were yet sinners, Logan, that Jesus died died on Calvary, but he didn't just die because early Sunday morning, he got up with all power in his hand. And what that means, my brothers and my sisters, what's trying to hold you down, cannot keep you down. Is there anybody in here that can throw your head back and say, God, I thank you for another chance another chance notice I didn't say a second chance or a third chance or a fourth chance or a fifth chance but is there anybody in here like me that you stop counting your chances and just say Lord give me another chance to get it right is there anybody in here when you turn to your neighbor and high five your neighbor and say neighbor Don't give up yet. God is still coming. The mama said it like this. 
It may not come when you want him to, but he'll show up right on time. Is there anybody here who knows that the Lord will show up right on time? Is there anybody here? Your back been against the wall, but the Lord showed up and made a way somehow. Will you high five your neighbor and said, neighbor, I got to get out of here. I have a flashback over the goodness of God. And when I think about the goodness of God, I got to open up my mouth and give God praise. I know I'm still in the valley, but mama said he is a lily of the valley. Is there anybody here that can praise God while you're still in the valley? I know you ain't got the job yet. I know you don't have the money yet. But can you praise God in advance? And your testimony is this. That God, if you don't bring me out, I'm alright. Because you said, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, that you are with me. And God, if you're with me, everything is going to be alright. Can I bitch y'all farewell? Good evening, y'all. Whatever may be time, God will work it out. Is there anybody here who know that God will work it out? Let me see your hands. If you know that God will work it out, let me see your hands. If you know God will come through, let me see your hands. If God made ways for you, and God said, guess what? You owe me back praise. I've been too good to you for you to walk up in here and not praise me like you've lost your mind. When I got you out of the car accident, when I got you out of the hospital bed, when I opened doors for you, when I gave you the job that you didn't deserve, you ought to be grateful. You ought to be thankful. Is there anybody in here to loud? I'm thankful. Lift up those hands. Lift up those hands. And give God crazy praise. Open up your mouth. You ought to not let Bartimaeus praise you. You ought to not let those on the outside give God more praise than those on the inside. Is there anybody here that you are not ashamed to open up your mouth and let the redeem of the Lord say so? I don't care who sees it, but my praise is not for you. My praise is for him. What's his name? Jesus. What's his name? Jesus. Who do I pray? Who makes a way? Who opened door? Is there anybody here excited about the name? Come on, this is your breakthrough moment. This is your breakthrough moment. This is your breakthrough moment. You gotta let it out. You gotta open it up. You gotta let it out. Is there anybody in here? Is there anybody in here that's excited for breakthrough? Anybody excited for a miracle? Bless your name. This past week, the past week I went to you play something softly, Ashley, this past week. I went to see 
the movie entitled Flight. 